Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hello, 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 mamas and papas. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kiffitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. Tonight, we are so honored to have Leanne Kim. She is a coach, a business coach, my coach. She runs a really cool community of over 300 women called Mamas and Co. That's M-A-M-A-S and Co. <laughs> I'm saying it wrong. I'm apparently dropping the S. Um, and Leanne's here to talk to us tonight. So welcome, Leanne. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. It's so nice to be here, guys. So how did this all start, the Leanne Kim stuff? The Leanne Kim slash Mamas and Co. start? Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, Three years ago, well, probably best to say five years ago, I mm-hmm. had I had uh, had a one and a half year old, no, an almost one year old, excuse me, and a two year old, and I was just about to go back to my full time job mm-hmm. where I was very good in sales, selling very high end tours, trips all around the world, and there was just like a pit in my stomach every single day thinking about the fact that I was going back to build somebody else's dream. I was working for a multimillionaire, and I was making not a lot. Mm-hmm. And I felt like every day my skills were being wasted. But the problem was I didn't really have a clear picture of what I wanted to do. And and then I had this little side hustle at the time, a little art business, because I like to paint. Mm-hmm. And I was painting art for kids' rooms. And I just posted in a Facebook group. I said, hey, any moms here? Uh, it was a mommy group. And mm-hmm. I said, any moms here have a business and want to get together for a glass of wine? Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, the best relationships start with wine. Mm-hmm. And the response was amazing from the get-go. And mm-hmm. it just was it was very organic. We used to like meet in a pub and have a glass and talk about life and business and babies and stuff like that. Sort and of I like think, what we do, but it's in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think we like we we mama entrepreneurs mm-hmm. kind of operate on a next level that most moms don't get. And so putting myself Amen. in the room with these people, it was yeah. just like, oh, finally, finally, women with like big ass goals. And dr- I love that I can swear, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Very liberating. Yeah. Big ass goals and dreams. And I just found like, I felt like I met my people. Um, and so shortly after that, yeah. I had the courage to quit my job. I had started doing some sales talks within our community, which was called something else at the time, but it was basically Mamas and Co. And I mm-hmm. realized these women were amazing, like fucking amazing and mm-hmm. smart and passionate and so driven but they didn't know how to sell. Yeah. They didn't know how to sell things, but they really didn't know how to sell themselves and they mm-hmm. really like got in their own way about stuff. And so I realized like I was doing a sales talk in my living room to mm-hmm. 17 moms and it was like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And they were still hanging on my every word except for one of them, which fell asleep because <laughs> uh, she had a newborn. Uh-huh. And I was like, 
this is what I want to do with my life. And mm-hmm. I was 40 years old and I had that, or 39, and I had that aha moment, like, this is it. This was mm-hmm. what I was born to do. So, yeah, that's, and then fast forward, uh, the community became more online. It had more structure and mm-hmm. I started doing one-on-one coaching. So th- it was only three years ago, not even, that yeah. I quit my full-time job. Um, I finally had the courage and I had a little bit of a financial cushion as well. So I was like, you know what, if not now, when? Yeah. And my kids were, you know, at the time, I guess this would have been, they would have been like, uh, you know, what, two and four. And so I was like, I'm going to go for it and see how it goes. And the rest is history. So for complete transparency, Leanne Kim is my business coach. So if you've been following along on my sort of uh, professional journey and we've been working together for, I want to say four months, Leanne, like it hasn't even been that long. Not at all. Um, And I came to Leanne through my association with her business association, when was Mamas and Co. And I have to say exactly as you just described those like early, I guess, um, missionaries of the sort of this community. That's what I find. I find it's a dynamic group of people who are hustling hard or trying to figure it out or whatever. And then I recruited Dina to become a member of you just sure the community did. and two other people who are of like high influence power brains. Um, people that have been on the show on the podcast. Uh, who are the other two people I brought into Mamas and Co? I don't even remember. But you were the only you were the one who really matters. Uh, <laughs> That's sorry, always the, the case. Other people. <laughs> um, yeah, and the thing is, like, I never thought I would be like a candidate for business coaching. And to be honest, Leanne, I didn't think you and I would really vibe, but we vibe like hard. <laughs> we do now. We do now. Um, very hard. But I'm also like buying everything you're selling because I think you're brilliant. Um, well, you know, thank you. Have you ever done any coaching of any nature? I never have. Right. No, and we've spoken about it before and whether mm-hmm. that'd be beneficial. I just kind of run after everything. And I, you know, I, I think I don't, you could tell us actually what, what is the biggest limiting factor for entrepreneurs and particularly women entrepreneurs. But um, I just, sort of like you, I just kind of chase everything and I have no, um, I have no issue around confidence or just jumping in you know, jumping out of that airplane. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, it's like the confidence or I don't feel like I have the skills or I don't feel like I might, I, I, I know that it's going to be successful. And mm-hmm. I just kind of like, I'm doing a lot of things. And if it doesn't work, I'll just pull back on one thing and focus more on another thing or pull back on that thing and focus, focus on the next thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like really ADHD with business and um, <laughs> in in life. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you probably think it would be helpful. I'm curious to hear, uh, but I, I know I've not done it, but, but I feel like so many people are doing it. Like I, I hear so many of my friends that are entrepreneurs are thinking about entrepreneurship that are getting coaches. Yeah. So like, what, what, that's a great question. What is the most limiting factor you think for somebody? What's the education, by the way, is there education on this? So I yes. went to the school of hard knocks. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I have 15 years experience selling sales. Things. Yeah. So, you know, before I even started this, but I, but I went through it. I was not a strong salesperson. I had to get over that because my income our, and eventually our family, our household income relied on my ability to make sales. And I really fell into it. Like I had a, I have a drama degree. Hmm. So yes, but what's funny is like, yes, you can go and get an MBA, but a lot of my clients are MBAs and have no clue how to do how to create really like, I would say the biggest things I help people with are the clarity of mission is a big one. Like Mm -hmm. what is, what is the, what is the vision you're trying to build? But also, um, once you have that, then really clarifying what are our offers here and who are they for? Um, because the, one of the biggest mistakes I see is everyone's trying to sell everything to everyone. 
And uh, they haven't really got clear on this is something that we worked on mm-hmm. a little bit is like really getting clear on who your top people are, like your raving fans, your, mm-hmm. your dream clients, who are those people. And then okay. once you know them, it's like, I mean, you're in a sweet spot, Alana, because I you am. have so many raving fans. They're willing to buy anything. But you were barely selling them anything. You were I had selling them to sell. Yeah, you were you were selling them event tickets. Right. And Leanne and I had this conversation where like I have a different challenge. Most people's challenges, they have a product or service, but no, no customers. And I have thousands of customers, but no product or service really. Well, now you do. And now I do. Yeah. Which that, is, that's how I've started my business though too. Right. right. Like, so I, I, I have no business training whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Never taken a single class, even in undergrad, but then I built kid crew. And so what I've done, and this is strategic in a way, I mean, I built kid crew to have that active audience. So now when then I launch other products in other businesses, I already have that active audience. So totally. I'm building the same way as you in a different way than you. But Dina, there's not a lot of doctors who have the business sacrament that there you have. Like Agreed. basically none. Right. It doesn't yes. exist. Like I've never seen a doctor. And there's no, there's no mom, mom doctor that does That's this true. either. Yeah. Like actual. Yeah. Position. No, I'm like a bizarre, unique you unicorn. Yeah. You're a unicorn. Yeah. 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 That's she a is. good, that's a good place to be. But is. I don't have a billion dollar business yet, but I will. Yeah. So, I will be a real business. Uh, but just you know, like, how you're, like you are not the doctor for everyone, but you're the doctor for a select few and you're yeah. the, you know, you're the mom boss for right. a select few. I sort of feel like ev- there's a coach for everyone. And so whatever that next level is that you're looking at, there is a business coach out there that can get you there. Further, faster is what I say. So it's not that you couldn't do it on your own. I often say this to women. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you could probably figure this out on your own. It's just going to take you a long time and it'll Mm -hmm. be frustrating or you can double down on yourself and and really, I think I help people focus on what they need to do to achieve the results they want to achieve. So, and it's different for everyone, but a lot of the women I'm working with are, you know, they have a business, they've been at it for a while. They're really working towards six figures and beyond and they have an audience, but not big enough, or they have, you know, an offer, but it's not strong. Or enough, they're stuck so. a bit. Or they're, or they're stuck a bit. Yeah. yeah. So they've been at it for a while. Yeah. And then they're just like, they what is scale. that next level? level? They right. can't scale. Right. Yeah. They're stuck. A lot of them are stuck in the one-to-one coaching or consulting and can't quite break out of that. Mm-hmm. And that was me too. Like it, t- it was the first year. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be painful if I don't figure out a way to reach more people. So, right. Yeah. That's good. Those are some of the things I help people with. But yeah. I mean, I always joke and say like a big part of business coaching is life coaching too, because it's right. it's intertwined. It's who we are as people. And um, 90% of my clients are moms. So yeah. they're dealing with a lot of other stuff in their yeah. life. Yeah, I was actually out for dinner last night with a couple of friends and I don't even know why this even came up. It was unrelated to the conversation, but she was saying, oh, so she's someone who used to spend every waking hour on work. Uh, she's an executive and, um, and her family was suffering. And so she got, so her, her office gave her a business coach and then her office was like, have you thought about having a personal coach? So she said that she got a personal coach therapist of sorts mm. and, and they're not the same people, but they basically recommend the exact same things, which is like, you know, close your computer, go the fuck home. Yeah. Give other things to other people to do like delegate better yeah. and then have some wine time with your husband, you know, and they both mm-hmm. think the same things, but it's the same, right? Like w- what I'm doing at home, if you're a business person, you have also been doing a lot of business, but you mm-hmm. should also focus on your family and your partnership, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that dividing and conquering part and the delegation is a big thing too, especially I think for moms where we're feeling like we're also taking care of the family and we're taking care of the business and totally. we're trying to make money and we're trying to not drown in all of that, keep our partners happy, get totally. our kids to play dates and birthday parties and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, I guess, figuring out uh, priorities and figuring out how to get all, all, the, all the shit done. 
I think that's a big part of it. And part of that is it's so much easier to see what's not going right with someone else than when you're living it. Sure. But a big piece is the accountability piece. Like a lot of us can figure out what we need to do. It's actually holding ourselves accountable and moving forward. And Alana, I mean, you've had the experience, so maybe mm-hmm. you can speak to what that's like mm-hmm. because we had you doing, taking some major steps pretty quickly and on yeah. a tight timeline. So yeah, no, I think for me, one of the biggest learnings that Leanne really sort of hyper clarified for me, what's the motherfucking point of leaving your day job? <laughs> If you're not going to live your best life, like let's talk about a lifestyle, right? And we talk about that a lot, Dana. You say like you can have it all and you've worked really hard on your own volition because you're perfect to like live a fantastic lifestyle, right? I think it's really important. And I think it's people don't do it. But mostly women need coaches to help them cross that But I think if you get, if you step into business and you're like, I cannot do this all, I can only have a good family life or a good partner life, or I can only have a good business life or it's all shit. Mm -hmm. If you go into it thinking that, which I think most people do think that. It is mindset as well. Yeah, it's mindset. Totally. It's Mm -hmm. perspective. If you go into it thinking that you're always, it's almost like you'll be okay with letting some balls drop as opposed to being like, no, all balls are staying in the air at the same time. And I really, really, truly believe you could have it all. I really, I live that. Yeah. I really, really, really do. And like, maybe you're not going to be like a hundred percent on all cylinders at the same time, but, but I kind of feel like I am, to be honest, like I'm so blessed and thankful. Like my partnership is great. Andrew stepped away, but he's usually manning, manning the audio. Um, my partnership is great. My kids are great. I, I have a lot of time with them. Not all the time in the world. I'm not home with them during the day, but when I'm with them, I'm with them. Yeah. Even if it's like an hour a day and my business life, thankfully is going really well. I really think you can have it all. I really, really, really do. But I a hundred percent focus on what I'm doing at that time. So when I'm doing work, I'm a hundred percent focused on my work. When down. I'm with my kids, yeah. I'm a hundred percent focused on my kids. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not on my phone and I'm not doing work usually. And I think that's that's the key, really. I think we're so divided all the time. Like we're on their phones, we're playing with our mm-hmm. kids, but not really like doing anything well. Well, I think yeah. what happened with Leanne, which was my big aha moment, is like I was working 80 hours a week and I'm like, and for what, right? And it was like, <laughs> I was in a very busy season and that will ebb and flow for me, I think. But it was being very strategic now and deciding like, let's pick a lifestyle that makes sense for me. Let's not work like a, like a, like a dog. And I think the challenge is that as millennial moms, as millennial women, mm-hmm. we were raised in a generation of like work really hard, have no life, be completely career obsessed. Like try to try to like, like get to the hot, like cr- crawl the corporate ladder to the glass ceiling as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, realize like, haha, this is all a joke. Like you can't really make it beyond that unless you like literally become your own boss mm-hmm. or like there's really no happiness when you, there's like, if you work in a business where like it's a 7am stand up and then you have kids and you can't be there and you're missing all those moments anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was my understanding is like, I've always been career obsessed. I've always been loving not only just not money per se. And I think we had this conversation about mm-hmm. money and people's relationship to money. Mm-hmm. It was just like, loving independence, loving a paycheck, loving like not needing anybody, you know, not being dependent on anybody. Um, Having a weird relationship with money mindset, which is interesting, um, which you helped me get some clarity on also. Let's come back to that because I'm curious what you mean by that. Yeah. Don't you still work 80 hours a week though? I don't. You really really don't? don't. Mm -mm. No? Nope. Okay. Because I do. not. I'm trying really hard not to. I for sure do. No, in I'm fact, really hard not to. I'm working really hard not to. I work eight, eight, uh, 9.30 to 5.30 in the office straight. Uh-huh. And then when my kids are in bed from like 7 to 11, I would say 90% of the time I'm doing work. Yeah. But I don't mind it. Like I like it. I yeah. like doing everything that I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, this is not work, but it's work. Okay, so let's be fair. I have my head down and I, for, for Leanne, like 
I'm getting to the office at 10 and I'm leaving at three or four. And like when I'm there, I am working and that is it. And I'm being very strategic. I got an office and stuff like that. So I can like go there and do that. And when I'm going home, I'm like trying not to be on my phone and really trying to look at my kids and like coming in doing podcasts is like my fun Tuesday night activity and book club and like Mm. seeing some friends once in a while. So I think for me, it was just like a huge shift that I don't need to work every night. Right. For me, it's like I'm cutting out the nighttime working as much as possible. Um, Yeah. And like trying to just pick like two or three things and make them the priority for the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not try to do a million things, but I don't know. I think yeah. that, but you, what you guys both touched on is it's about finding what lights you up. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. Dina, the thought of me working <laughs> past even four o'clock, yeah. like my brain just shuts down. I'm just not mm-hmm. wired for it. When you, right. Alana invited me to this podcast a few months ago mm-hmm. and I was like, it's at what time? And I have to leave my house. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't tend to want to work at night. I actually, yeah. I kind of, it's the only time where I like to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's about figuring out what that perfect blend is for all of us. And mm-hmm. it's totally different for all of us. So you have found your thing. Yes. like, And just, I certainly don't do that every day. Like last night I went out with dinner with friends and mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm out, like, you know, I would say I'm out a lot. Like I probably go out two or three times a week. But when I'm here, I'm usually doing stuff. But that gives me joy. Like it's yeah. not it's not like, oh fuck, I gotta do some work. It's like right. sometimes it's like annoying and min stuff for the office, but it's often like, you know, business meetings for growing these various businesses or, you know, recruitment of new doctors. It's phone calls and things like that in min. But it's not typically annoying stuff. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, it's fine. And then and then on the weekends I'll, we'll just hang out and we'll go for dinner. Or, do you do any uh, professional development? Um Do you have a mentor? Well the conferences. Um Mentorship is an interesting concept, actually. Um, like, do you do, I mean, mm. is there anyone giving you advice and guidance as you make decisions in your business? Not really, Andrew, I would say. Mm-hmm. But that's just like shared. Um, so there's no one doing what I'm doing, right? And um, there's, there's, there's basically no mentors in building big pediatric practices or big practices or, you know, mm-hmm. again, like you were saying before, like doctors are not typically business-minded. So no, there's not really any mentorship in that world. Yeah. I, I mentoring some some people like coming up in this space, not necessarily business people, but physicians, et cetera, like my crew under me, a lot of people I'm kind of mentoring. Um, yeah, I mean, I sort of have some mentors in business, but like no like mentor. Mm-hmm. I never have. I never have actually, never. Mm-hmm. Even like in med school and stuff, but I never, residency, or residency. Isn't that mentorship? No, I mean, they put they put you with mentors, but I never found anyone that, that had any interest in what I do, you know? Like there's no like, there's very few like media minded physicians or people that want to mm. kind of speak to the masses and educate, mm-hmm. you know, in, in social media and media, like that doesn't exist, at least not in Canada or, on, or on Toronto that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Certainly no women. Um, even in the States, it's not really like I'm, I'm a very unique kind of world. And like there's people that do, I don't know, no one does what I do. Mm-hmm. So no, I have never really had like a true like mentor. I need to call this person to find out what they would suggest. I just trust my gut and like talk it over with Andrew and talk it over with friends and stuff. But no, not really. Yeah. I think it'd be highly valuable. It just doesn't really exist. But I also think you ha- you have something that a lot of women struggle with is the ability to know what you want and trust your gut. Like yes. And just run with it. Oh yeah, that, and, and that run for with sure. It. And know it's yeah. like, it's not the end of the world if we make a business mistake or a life mistake. That's or, absolutely how I feel, truly. Yeah. Like I have, I have my, my hand in many, 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 um, pies right now and if one doesn't go well I don't care I'll just throw it out yeah. like that's really how I think about this stuff because you, yeah. if you debate endlessly about like do I do this or not do this like you'll get nowhere it's like when's the best time to have a kid there's no best time to have a kid just totally. have the fucking kid you yeah. know <laughs> just get pregnant so that's how I feel yeah. about it like if something Amen. doesn't work yeah. out then I'm not gonna like trash kid crew but if kid crew is like doing terribly I would probably you know just you know roll it and, and move on to something yeah. else yeah. that's truly how I feel about business and maybe I'll have 
10 successful companies and maybe I'll have just kid crew. But if I don't try it, I'm ever going to know. And I can never be the person that thought, what if, what if? Like I'm super not a what if person. Yeah. I procrastinate nothing. Mm-hmm. That's just not how I'm wired. I, and I think, you know, once we can cultivate those skills of whatever your offer is, creating an offer and selling it to someone and, and you know you have that under your belt, I think it creates a freedom for us. Like there was a couple, earlier this year, I... I had thoughts about closing Mamas and Co down because it wasn't it wasn't feeling aligned with what I wanted to create. I will I will be very honest, it was a shit show free for all and mm-hmm. I felt like nobody knew who was in charge and I wasn't stepping up because I didn't feel like people wanted uh, Leanne Kim to be their coach. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. This is my business. I birthed this thing. Why am I not stepping up and the, you know, the right ones have come even closer. And the wrong ones have continued to move away. They were already moving away. But I think, you know, in my heart, I was like, if I have to, I'll close it down and start something that's feeling more aligned or I'll make it work this way. And and luckily, it's it's worked tremendously. We've yeah, had- I remember recently you like did this credo when you're like, this is my business. You know, you like made a very public declaration. And I thought it was so brave, but correct. Being like, if you don't want to be in this group, don't be in this. If you don't like me personally, like why that's are you a here? problem now? <laughs> so I, like, I never felt though that it wasn't your business. It's before your time, Dina. I, I think it say. was a bit before oh, your yeah. time. Okay. Like yeah. the last year, things have really. It, it, I mean, it it was a collective. Up. It was yeah. this community, but no one was stepping up to create events or programming or guide people. Like I was always doing that. Yeah, I just wasn't stepping up to the forefront. And I think there was a just there was so many people who had been there from the early days. We still have a lot of our members have been around four years. Mm-hmm. Like to be paying into a community for four years and still getting value, I think that's huge. Yeah. But this is probably the year where we'll see the turning of the tides in some way, and the people yeah. who are diehard fans who just love what we do, and and really like I've sp- I was spoken speaking to some of the older crew at um, an event earlier this summer. Yeah. And I I was like, yeah, I mean, you're you've accomplished so much. Your business have grown. It's so great to see you still um, find value and what I'm doing. But honestly, like if you had outgrown this community and they were like, are you kidding me? We, we stay because of the community. It's the people it's. And so you have a similar issue in that there are going to be people that are drawn to you, but then those people kind of want to (laughs) say in what, in what the journey looks like. So I think that's a balance, but I think knowing that, you know what, I know how to sell, I know how to build a business. I know how to draw people. I know how to, you know, once you have those skills, it's like this, anything's possible. And then I think you feel less fearful of it all going away because you know that if you had to, you could, you know, reinvent it. And, and, and that was what I really knew is like, well, if I had to shut down Mamas and Co, I would just start something different that had that same vibe, but that was more authentically me from the start. That was a big problem, honestly. Like I, I was, lost a bit. I was very in the early years. I really wanted to be respected, mm-hmm. and I wasn't being me. Right. I, I was trying to be this like perfect version of me for the probably you know the first two years of Mamas and Co because I thought that's what people wanted, and then I realized just not that long ago the more me we can be the more we build like this the this perfect business because you only draw the right people to you and the wrong ones are repelled by you but that's a good thing right right you don't want to be for everybody and it's so funny Leanne I have to tell you so this week from mama and mama con which is mama mama and co is like basically mamas mamas I said mamas so I not say mamas and co's <laughs> mama con was a week ago this week basically yeah. and from that 
last from Mamas and Co's Mama Con till this week, I've been to seven events in 10 days. Yeah. And part of that for me is that I'm a student of events. I like to go to events and see how they are. And I have to say, Leanne, like you, it's clear to me that you've done this event before because not only was it executed almost like perfectly, the content was great and it was diverse and it was interesting. And it's funny now to look back at the week of events and to see how different things are happening. And I even saw like Tony Robbins and Rachel Hollis, you know? So um, it's interesting to see, but also to see other coaches coming forward in different verticals and how repelled I was by them. Basically saying in some degree, I've seen two prof- two life business coaches within the outside of you. So three business coaches, mm-hmm. let's say between seven events, take the stage, yeah, take the stage. And two of them were just like, not my speed at all. Right. Like <laughs> one was like, looked like a jacked up female wrestler from Montreal who looked like she just blew Coke before she got on the stage. And I, she basically she said very similar things that you've said to me in a very public way in terms of like coaching one on one. But I was like, oh my God, I would never, that that to me always felt like business coaching to me, like somebody really aggressive selling themselves to me in a way that like didn't resonate. And then this other one that I saw was like so soft and so much, I want to say almost like wet behind the ears. Like she was like maybe 29 year old business coach. Mm. And I was like, you don't know anything, but um, the, the core in terms of what you have taught me and what I heard them say, like a lot of like the, I guess that one-on-one basic stuff is like very similar, but it's very personality driven, first of all. And mm-hmm. like, you, it's exactly like that. Like you got to find somebody who chives with you if you're interested in business coaching. It's That's like what I'm getting therapist, at. It's like finding a therapist, right? You exactly. have like a therapeutic relationship with that person. Totally. Right. Or a doctor. Yes. I had the hardest yeah. time finding a pediatrician, female doctor. No, not a oh, pediatrician. Okay. What do you call Like an OBG. Yeah. 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 But yeah. what you said before about how like you like repel people or you connect and you, you, you're like magnetic with people. That's exactly how all of us are, I would say, right? Yeah. Like mm. if you don't like the way that I practice, which is like super duper non-bullshit, I'm just exactly who I am. I'm never trying to be someone else. You either love me or you don't. And if mm-hmm. you don't like me, you go somewhere else and that's fine. Yeah or you're obsessed and then you're the exact same way, right? Yeah. Like you draw in like these, the people that are like so into like and then other your, people your shit. Cannot stand me. Yeah. Like, well, I don't even know about that, but like mm-hmm. the people that love you, love you. Love you my know? shit. So it's, it's, uh, it yeah. I mean, it's, the, I guess any forward facing person has that, right? right. Like celebrities yeah. and yeah. Anyone, anyone else. But yeah. 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 So I, we, it took me a long time to learn that though. I'm going to yeah. say it took me a long time to learn that. And it, I think it comes from as girls, we are taught when we, make people happy. And when we receive praise, we, you know, that's us winning at life, you know, when we just, and I see it in my daughter and not in my son. Like my daughter wants to people please. She wants to get the gold star. Alex could give a fuck. Like he's like, like Mm -hmm. me or not, I'm doing my thing. He has no even actually not even like me or not. He doesn't know that you're there. Like Mm -hmm. he said, no. So I feel like we are kind of taught by society or sort of trained to care what others think. And then we kind of have to untrain that behavior. And that was, you know, I've always kind of been the kind of person who does their own thing, marches to my own beat. And, you know, I'm not too worried if people like it or not, but still creating a business, Mm -hmm. I so wanted to be liked and I so wanted to be respected. And then it was, it was when I kind of let that all fall away and just thought, fuck it. I'm just going to be my, my second podcast of my own, which was like January of, this past year. So like whatever second week of January was Mm -hmm. my goal for 2019. And it was to be more me than ever before. Mm -hmm. Cause I figured what have I got to lose at this point? (laughs) You know, if, if it works great, if it doesn't work well, we'll figure that out. But yeah, that was a big one for me was realizing that 
some people are going to love you. Others are just really not going to love you and you'll never convert them. Yeah. That, I think that was the thing. I was trying to, you know, make them like me. Well, I can just be what you need. And then I realized, no, I can't. I'm, I'm just going to do me. And, and it's been life changing. It's been so liberating to not have to worry to about give less fucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's well, an easier not, life. It's not an easier life. That. I've always kind of given less fucks, but like really when it comes to like the client base, mm-hmm. just being like, as you said, you're going to love me or hate me. And in yeah. either way, it's a win for me. So. And there's enough people to love you. Like, I, I, I don't I don't want people to hate me. No, but there's but if abundance. I get, if, I, if I don't work for abundance. your style, like, that's okay. There's someone for your style, right? Yeah. Like, we don't, we, I don't I want, I want people that, that really like me. Like, I don't, I don't want to put more effort into getting you to like me. Like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying Agreed. to keep your kid healthy. Like, there's, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a person, I don't need a personal relationship with you. If I'm not driving with you and you're not going to um, follow my recommendations, et cetera, like, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to provide the best care for your kid. So, if you don't love me, like see someone else. That's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not offended. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just like who I am always. Um, mm-hmm. It's too much energy otherwise. And I'm like the same with friends. And yeah. It, it, see, I've always been like that with friends. But for yeah. some reason, there was a disconnect there when it came to business. And my my need to, anyway, to be seen as the expert at what I do. And then mm-hmm. I realized there's lots of experts. And as you say, a lot yeah. of us are preaching and teaching similar things. Right. But it is about... I mean, where you're going to hire a coach of any kind, especially a business coach, mm-hmm. it's about fit. And I think it's about choosing someone who's who's gone the path that you want to go. That mm-hmm. was a big one for me. It was like, I really don't want to hire someone. As you said, Dina, this is probably why you, you know, you're struggling or you are not struggling, but you haven't found that person because there's yeah. not a lot of people that do what you do. Yes. So I got very clear in terms of what do I want to accomplish in 2019 and who's the person that can teach me that mm-hmm. so that I can carry on and teach my people. And that was Rick Mulready, who's mm-hmm. a, a genius, an online business genius, in my opinion, not yeah. just a, a Facebook ads guy, but that's, that's been really pivotal for me because uh-huh. the other stuff I could figure out, like. Again, how to sell, how to make offers. I was doing all that fine and how to coach. But it was really like there was a big shift in terms of leveraging online marketing this past year. And it's happening like the culmination is what's happening right now in Mamas & Co. with our... Literally right this second. Right this second yeah. with our online November launch. 5, yeah. And we just added 250 members to the group that may or may not stay. And we'll uh-huh. find out tomorrow if they're picking Amen, up what we're sister. Picking I hope they do for both of our sakes. <laughs> <laughs> so Leanne's experimenting with me, by the way, mm-hmm. that you asked about this, mm-hmm. but I'm the only affiliate for this particular yeah. program right so now. So we had done affiliates in the past and and nobody took it seriously and everybody was kind of talking to the same people. Some of peop- some people were talking to the same people mm-hmm. and I realized we've gone tried to go too wide too soon. So let's pick one person to be the guinea pig who's <laughs> got an audience of moms. So I did an IG takeover for you and yeah. that was my first takeover. Um, and I re- and I did it, didn't do it right, a hundred percent right, but I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is 40% early on, I asked a poll, how many of you are, have a business? 40% of your audience has Holy a business. Holy shit, really? Yeah. And then I asked how many of you that business is full time and 40% again. Yeah. So like 18, what did, I don't know the numbers on that, but 18 ish percent mm-hmm. of your audience could hire me as a business coach. Right. And another, like, and the, and the full 40%, could be in Mamas and Co. So to me, that was a no brainer because your audience is so engaged in what you do. And yeah. because you know me and the community so intimately, I was like, let's start here. Yeah. And if this, and we'll see, and it'll, if it's a win for you and it's a win for us, then we'll know and we'll, then we'll add more affiliates. But that was a big learning for us is yeah. too many people, everyone's bringing in one or two people. It's not worth the effort. 
So we're well, trying it. Leanne, how could you possibly have 40% of your audience has a business? How could that be possibly be Had true? a business or thinking of starting one, we said, oh. I think. So it was like... But four- that seems insane. How could that be? Because remember, out of the 20,000 people that I like engage with on a daily basis, 10% of those people engage with me. And that's what Leanne's talking about. Of like the 2,500 people right. who see the stories, 40% of those people are business-minded or are entrepreneurial. You think that's why they're following you. That is why they're following they, you. They, oh, they are because they like they find me inspirational, aspirational, but also kind of want to know what I'm how I'm doing it. I see, I see. So what was interesting about Leanne's takeover, it was interesting for me also uh, because of the learnings and the way that you looked at the statistics and then sort of doubled down on me in, in return. 100%. And it was funny because <laughs> Dina, I didn't even notice, but Dina's like, you, she literally messaged me three days ago. Are you getting paid by, by Mamas and Co for this? And I was like, I'm an affiliate. Why? And I hadn't checked the Facebook group yet that until yesterday. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Like They're I didn't realize the wide oh, net yeah. that I had cast because a lot of those Mamas and Mamas and Co um, trial members that are in the community right now are women that I didn't even know are aspiring business women or people that are from my personal, like my right. personal, my personal Facebook page you has 5,000 people, right? The people yeah. like who are not face moms to followers or business affiliates, but actual personal connections. And from LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I'd say between LinkedIn and Facebook, I probably have 8,000 followers, probably close mm-hmm. to 9,000 now. So if I think about all the verticals I'm touching 15,000 through the Instagram totally. account, 10,000 through Facebook and LinkedIn and then, you know, probably another five to 10,000 through just uh, Twitter and my newsletter. Right. So mm-hmm. it is a lot of women who are like, wait a minute, if Alana's pitching something or saying something like it's time to listen up a bit. So I mm-hmm. couldn't believe actually Erica Bernstein, like from Ottawa, I was like, Erica, cause Erica's had this high side hustle forever that she's never actually done anything with. She's like, you are inspiring me so much to do this. And the most random girls that I was on that with leave with three years ago, or yeah. all of a sudden, like looking up, you know? So it was so shocking to me to see them all say like, yes, I'm going to join this trial. And I couldn't believe Leanne. I was scrolling through and making comments on everybody. And I was like, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you. So it was a smart strategy for you to double down on me. And it was a smart strategy for me well, we'll know. We'll the, see tomorrow. The proof will be in the pudding, <laughs> the pudding tomorrow. By, yeah. by when we close the doors in a few right. days. Yeah. But, you know, for anyone who's listening who has a similar business and is thinking about affiliate strategies, this is exactly the point. Alana can reach people in a way that I can't. They might know me, but they don't trust me the way they trust her. Correct. And so I'm happy to pay her. Um, and, she, you know, she's she is making it public that she's an affiliate for us because that's the right thing to do. We're not Mm -hmm. hiding anything. I'm happy to pay her because what it costs me in Facebook ads, and she might bring us, even let's just say you bring us 10 new members. She brings us 10 new members and if even four of them move up to coaching or, you know, that could be over the long term, tens of thousands of dollars for us. So I'm happy to pay you. (laughs) A percentage of membership because Leanne, let's go back for a minute because yeah, yeah. let's let's assume a lot of our listeners are this is like basic. basic. What is affiliate? So affiliate, marketing mean? yeah. So affiliate means you are repping something that you believe in, and you are earning basically a sales commission for that. Right. So again, like uh, these people that Alana has br- brought in, they might they might even be following us, but if I'm not the one to convert them, right. It's because, you know, I haven't reached them in a way that Alana can reach them. So it's leveraging, it is leveraging your audience. But I also think what you do really well when you believe in something, you really go all in and you're not doing it because you're being paid. You do it because right. you really believe in the product. Right. And by the way, I heard you gave me a lovely shout out the other day at one of your events. And Oh, yes. I give you a gigantic shout out. That means a lot to me. No, Seriously. I did because it, it was, it was so authentic much. and I was like... I couldn't believe that no one had talked about coaching at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have a coach. This is her name. 
carts open, you know, wow. like literally that's what I said. And there's a group of 200 mom bosses. I'm air quoting um, because I think it's important. And I was like, you know what it is, Leanne? I felt the money really early with you. And I'm just going to be honest. Like I've said to Dina, like I'm making money for the first time. And it could drive a direct line to Leanne Kim. Right. And I can say and that it's very, just the tip of the iceberg. It's just, and you've said that to me, like you were like, Leanne said to me, you know nothing about what you're about to like, what you're capable of. And I, you didn't, I never you said, said you, it, know you said it, you basically said it was the tip of the iceberg. And I don't yeah. know anything yet about what membership communities can do for me but well what i mean i don't yeah. i don't mean you know nothing when i say the tip of the iceberg it's like this is just the beginning and the potential okay let's possible and yes. i i mean i'm and i would say the same for dina and yeah. anyone who is is sitting on a, a raving fan audience who is not fully leveraging it is like there are other offers that they need and want from you you are their person right so let's think about and we are we're in the works of thinking about dina I don't leverage my community at all. At all. At all. You're the worst at it, actually. So maybe well, you, you, know, you, you need a coach. You're not, you're <laughs> actually, you're we can, actually, we can talk about this. You know, I want to come back to this for one second, though. Because you really you, don't at all. What, yeah, let's talk about this one second. But yeah. what I was really happy about when she hired you, Leanne, was for like a year, I'd be telling Alana that she totally undervalues everything. And I don't charge enough. And she doesn't charge enough. And she doesn't Hashtag like, overgiver. Yeah. Yeah, totally <laughs> overgiver, like doing all sorts of shit for free, like all the time for everybody and everything speaking for free and giving her time for free and advertising for free and all the shit. And, uh, like her rate card, like on multiple occasions she sent me and I was like, this is not okay. Like mm -hmm. you're worth more than this. Mm -hmm. And then she hired you. And then suddenly she was like, I'm worth more than this. And I was okay. like, thank God, Leanne Kim. <laughs> yes. Because, um, because I think that we, a lot of entrepreneurs undervalue ourselves. Like, you yeah. know, we even recognize how, how much leverage you have and how much, um, influence you have and how much what you, I mean, what you're talking about before with um, influencers or um, affiliates, affiliates or whatever, this is the same as like someone on Instagram that's famous saying, I love this lip gloss. This totally. is amazing. That's just affiliate. Like most of the time, these, these people are getting yeah. whatever, 5%, 1%, 10% off of the sales. So you go to Amazon, you buy it. You know, the influencer gets all this money, uh, a percentage of the money. And so people are doing all the time. And I think so. we don't even notice it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like Instagram ads and, you know, your favorite celebrity who's selling X, Y, and Z on, not selling, mm -hmm. using it. Uh -huh. And then endorsing. Endorsing it. That's yeah. right. So it's, it's, it's yeah, ubiquitous now. It's a very old school we see. tactic. If you think back to the 80s when like yeah. the celebs would do the old 30 second commercials for yeah. their favorite coffee brand yeah, or whatever, do. like this yeah. is not, this is not new, but I think what is new is that it's everyday people building audiences fast. Like yeah. look at how quickly you, both of you have built yeah. this following and this, this community that is more than willing to pay for access to you. Right. Really, that was what, it, I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed with you, Alana. I was like, you're doing a couple big events a year and a lot of small events, but they are happy to pay just to have more of you, right. more of your special sauce. So, you know, I'd love to talk about that too. Like, what is your, if you could put it into words, what do you think both of you is like your special, see now I'm interviewing you. That's okay. <laughs> see how I did that? Yeah. What is your special sauce? The thing that people come to you for that they can't get anywhere else or that they don't want to get anywhere else. I can know. I know what Dina says and you Go probably can it. say what mine is. Yeah, sure. Go oh, for I it. love this. No, I, think, I love that you're switching it. Well, I, I could probably say Dina's, Dina's secret sauce is her brutal honesty and the fact that she is a physician, like she's a bona fide doctor who's really smart and Dina has thought of, she's 10 steps ahead of most people's thoughts. So for instance, I'll tell you an example. When she built Kid Crew, she thought of everything, Leanne, mm -hmm. and no no expense was, was spared. So like when you come to a physician's office with a stroller, 
you know how hard it is to go through double doors? hundred percent. Dina has everything like the sliding doors. And when you were going to bring kids there, she thought of everything. Like she's so attention to detail. Mm. And because she's such an experienced mom and a doctor, she's like, if I were going to bring my four kids here, what would be the cool things? Let's put a jungle gym in our waiting room. That's a huge fucking jungle gym in Dina's waiting room. Like everything is so thought about. And like, everything from the marketing to whatever. So I think she really just puts herself in the shoes of her consumer. And she's mm. like, I am a mom. I get what this is. I am a doctor. I know what I need to do. And she's always like, Oh, I want to build a specialist team. Why shouldn't I have a cardiologist and a gastroenterologist and a ENT on my team? Because no one should really have to wait for those things. So I just have them on my team. So I think that's I part that. of your skill set is like, you're so empathetic, really. Like mm. you really know how to put yourself in the shoes of parents and doctors and you know what they want. And you're, that's why it's such a beautiful practice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know it's for me, it's, it's like from the parent perspective, like what, what do I want as a mom, right? Like mm-hmm. I want my kids running around in a jungle gym and, but some kids want to hang out in a reading nook when they're feeling shitty. So I put a reading nook like I, right. and, and you're right. I mean, we put an elevator, I put an elevator into the building. It didn't exist. And the double doors are open automatically. These things, you're right. I mean, I was trying to think of uh, what will make moms. You put that elevator in? I, we oh, bought the elevator. My God, oh, Laura did not. We literally put in a thirty thousand dollars elevator. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, because who wants to schlep up a ramp? Yeah. Um, it was an expense that it was expensive, and it's my cost and it's my debt. But I, I wanted, I wanted what I would want for my own family, right? Yeah. Um, but on the on the flip side, I also wanted what I want as a clinician. Right. So yeah, I want you to be able to see the cardiologist in a couple of weeks if you need to see cardiologist. Mm-hmm. But I also want to refer to a cardiologist so I'm not waiting for SickKids or, or any other clinic to get yeah. back to me weeks or months later saying, sorry, we don't actually want to see this patient or you know whatnot. So for me on both ends of it, both as a mom and a clinician, I wanted it to be easier for me on both friends. And it has been. like It makes my life way more efficient, way nicer. I mean, obviously it's more work having more clinicians, but... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it any other way. Like when we build more kid crews, it'll be the same way. It'll be McDonald's Playland in a physician's office. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to bring moms together in a way that they feel community and a safe place to be and talk and learn and um, and then grow themselves, however that will be. Whether yeah. it's growing as a mom, growing as an entrepreneur, growing as a friend, bringing people together to learn shit and have a good time and not feel loneliness of being by themselves stream out leave. And I think the thing that is our, our, what makes Dina and I actually very complimentary to one another is that we're both obsessed with these things. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, they drive us every minute. Like yes. mm-hmm. we both go to bed thinking about it. We both wake up thinking about it. And I think we also feel that same way about business It's like, mm-hmm. It's an obsession. And it's, it's not, entrepreneurship. It's, yeah. it's passion for whatever the, that is. Yeah, the, the yes. shiny thing, but yeah. also sustaining it, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. what's the new shiny thing? But also, like, what do, can I sustain what I've already built also, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, keep the old and make the new. That's That's what I think is really interesting. Yeah, and I think, like, we both like to have fun too, right? Like it's like light and fun. And Dina like mm-hmm. is a personality. She's a celebrity doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Like there isn't a lot of female celebrity doctors in Canada. She really a is lot. like the TV. There's zero. Zero. She is, <laughs> she is, is the TV really sure doctor, that I am right? That, but there isn't that. Right. It's not so I think thing. that's, I think it's also like there isn't a lot of people just doing what you do, which also helps bring a little mm-hmm. bit of mm-hmm. not market saturation. And like, I think I was a pilgrim to some degree, like a missionary of this, like revolutionizing this age and stage of parents experiences and I'm just like this sucks and often you become evolutionary on a revolution based on the fact that like there's a man a a need and a demand Mm -hmm. so I just keep putting myself in the shoes same as Dina like Mm. that of my 
of my customer and say like, what do I want? And that's why I go to these events, you mm-hmm. know? And that's, I only do it once in a while because I do like to just like come up with my own creative ideas and I don't want to be influenced by things I see around me. But um, part of it for me is like, if somebody's going to show up with their feet or with their time or their money, either online or in person, mm-hmm. like let's give them a rock and roll party, you mm-hmm. know? And let's also like, should they should learn something and there should be a tremendous amount of value. Mm-hmm. So, and I think what I've learned from you, Leanne, is like, you know, that money mindset for me has changed a bit, which is like, like making money, like Indina and I think are both very bottom line oriented, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now I'm becoming more so. Yeah. Which it's is a like, journey. yeah, it is a journey for sure. Yeah. Money mindset is an interesting thing because I think people think you either have a money mindset or you don't. And I think the opposite, we all have a money mindset and we all have baggage regarding mm-hmm. money, whether we like to admit it or not. And so it's about figuring out where you are with that. And then I think, I think most of us, 90, probably 95% of us can, especially women could improve upon our relationship with money, right? Because it's not going anywhere. We'll have a relationship with money until the day we die. But most of us have some negative baggage around it. So whether that's guilt, whether that's shame, whether that's fear of not enough, whether that's, you know, I'm going to leave behind the people where I came from, like the number of women who are super successful, smart, like put together women who sit in that room with me that you sat in right. for our one-on-one and say, I feel, I, I'm worried that I'm going to leave behind my family who, you know, they have this belief about money or this, or this came from my mom and dad. And I, I don't want to disrespect them. Like it's heartbreaking because it's like, you are letting a 30 year old, 20 year old, 50 year old money belief stop you from achieving greatness because of something that someone once said to you when you were five. Right. You know, that's bonkers to me that we are not even some of us are not even willing to look at that and question that and say like, how might I think about this differently? Or yeah, my money mindset's not where it could be. So like, what do I want to do about that? And exploring what that, you know, exploring different ways of improving that. Cause there's no one way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a big part of the work that See, I do. When I, what was your money mindset, Dina, growing up? Like, what did your parents tell you about money? Like it grows on trees or you didn't have enough? Oh, or? No, not at all. No, my yeah. parents are quite frugal Yeah, and, um, and they were like super duper savers and, you know, we've talked before about like my parents would go like my dad would take us to the grocery store and be like, you can buy all these lemons for X number of dollars. We could buy a whole box of mangoes. They still do this. My dad still is all about mangoes and buying <laughs> boxes of mangoes. <laughs> and then he'll buy like a box and it's just me, him and my mom in a, in a home. So I'll bring over a box of mangoes because it was oh way God. cheaper to buy like per mango to buy a box of mangoes than to buy like, you know, three mangoes. Yeah. That's my dad to a T. And so I you know I was this very, is a very Korean thing, was, by the way. Like yes. this is my husband's family to a T. Yeah, I know you're yeah. not Korean. Neither yes. am I in case you can't see my face. Kim is a Korean name, but I'm not Korean. I married someone Korean. And they are all about that. We buy a box of pears. Why would we buy just two or three? (laughs) No, that's my dad. He still buy like, like, like many bushels of bananas or if they're, yeah, he, like literally, and he'll like drop off a box of bananas on our doorstep. Like I don't want 18 bananas, oh my He's like, but there's parents. six of you. There's six of you. You could eat a lot of bananas each, put them in the freezer, make banana bread. Like that's my dad. Yeah, you guys have a lot so, of bananas in the freezer. We, we, I've we seen have your a freezer. lot of fucking bananas in the freezer. So no, very, um, very focused on money, but not, uh, and like they weren't like, we still did nice things and we had nice things, but they were frugal, still very, very frugal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so no, I grew up understanding that I went grocery shopping with my dad and we oh a big thing Saturday mornings when we got the flyers like we'd actually look at the flyers together and like see like the best price for diapers or or whatnot so I was very money focused and I think more than I have three brothers I don't think my brothers really cared about that stuff it was a way for me to get close to my dad I found like you know talking about money and and saving money it 
if I found a way to save money, he was very proud of me. And so yeah. that was a way for me to get close with him. So I always yeah. grew up that way. And I still think that way. I'm, I'm not nearly as frugal, but I'm very, I'm, I, the bottom line is important to me. My parents cannot stand our lifestyle. Like they do not understand like where we got our values from. And I think for me, like, because I you spent too much. I grew up in a very, very prestigious neighborhood. So people just assumed because I lived in that neighborhood, we came from a lot of money, mm. even though we didn't. I, my dad was like, like had four kids and was living in a very like prestigious neighborhood. And like, I used to be scared, like embarrassed to get off at the subway stop because like no one got off. Cause it was like just the white rich kids who got off at that subway stop, mm. you know? Uh, but I took the subway, you yeah. know? So, um, but like, that was my money mindset is like money's kind of like a guilt thing like you shouldn't really have it and you don't really talk about it and if you do there's like jealousy and envy associated mm. with it so for me it was like you don't really talk about your salary but like to my, exactly with my father also I think there's sort of like this like if you're a good saver it's like you get close to him he loves the deals also like get mm. close to you yeah. but I also my father worked for free for his father for his whole life like never got paid for it and I remember as a kid like my day of a good time was like organizing my parents files and doing their like legal admin work for them because like that's how you spend quality time with people mm -hmm. you work for them for free mm -hmm. so i think that's where my like actual value came from is sort of a mix of like 12 years in nonprofit, so like never like just being okay changing the world and not needing a salary because oh. i was doing something righteous mm. combined with this like you show love by working for free like that's mm. just what it is so right. Um, yeah, therapy. We got deep there for a yeah. minute, but that's all like, that's it. That's yeah. where I realized it's come to be. So like my father's always like you and Matt go out for fancy dinners and you order wine at dinner. Like <laughs> you the, told me about going that. out for dinners and ordering wine for him is like, I don't understand why you would pay. It's so yes. decadent. I, it's a gigantic and <laughs> like markup okay, on even the bottle. Better, even better. My parents think going to a movie theater <laughs> and to watch a movie is crazy. Yeah, but if you are going to go to a movie theater, you must take snacks with you. <gasps> right. Including popping popcorn in your microwave at home, then putting it in your jacket pocket <laughs> to okay. take with you to movie theater. Because it's okay to popcorn in a movie theater, but to pay six or eight or 12, I have no it's idea not, how many dollars. It's $10. $10 no, that's for popcorn. That's just ludicrous. Okay. So I used to be much more frugal than I am now. Now yes. I'm a little bit a bit looser with my spending but I used to I'm a popcorn snob uh -huh. I make my own popcorn on the stove oh yeah like stovetop popcorn like shake the yep. shake with the olive pan oil? and everything with not with olive oil that's with a bad oil. cooking oil Canola and there's a thing oil. for Canola? the microwave that does the poppy thing that, that we don't have thing. a microwave oh. <laughs> we are we moved into a house that didn't have one and then we never missed it my we husband like, hates yeah. the fact that we have one it's because my dad bought us one we <laughs> <laughs> have an air popper thing for the microwave it's fantastic yeah I, I used to sneak in my own popcorn yeah. and my own like bottle of water. I was just like, I, I agree that why would you spend money on this? Um, but it's funny cause the going to the movies for me is one of my favorite things. And as soon as my kids were old enough to sit through a movie, I was like, we are going to the <laughs> movies and I would buy them popcorn and I bring, so get this, we don't bring our own snacks, but I bring our own little stainless steel bowls yeah. in my purse so that I can put them in their laps yeah. and like, so That's that cute. I can have my popcorn to myself yeah. and I don't have to share. <laughs> they can have their own little bowls. Oh, man. We have a, we have, we're big movie popcorn people in our house. Yeah. But, no, I grew up in a house where, um, so my mother came from poverty. My dad did not. Are you Canadian? I am Canadian. How how many generations? So uh, many generations. My my both my parents were born here. My dad's parents were they're English and uh -huh. Scottish. So I'm not what you think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not exotic at all. Yes. Even though everyone thinks I am. And my mom is many generations, but she. Her family is a bit of a checkered past, so she doesn't yeah. actually know her full genealogy. Uh -huh. And her parents died young, uh -huh. so um, yeah, she you know she 
was very tight with money, whereas he was not. And so she was always clinging to it and was always very worried that, that we would run out. And when my sister was young, I was, I was not old enough to remember. My dad was out of work for a while, and those were like lean days. And so my sister has a very different money mindset than I do Interesting. six years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so um, I think my mom got very good at... She, my mom took over the family finances when I was pro- like probably in my 10, 11, 12 years she took over because my dad wasn't doing a good enough job. And I was like, baller move, mom. Yeah. Like, and so she just said, like, we did, we compared and I did better with it. So I kept running the finances as she still does today. Um, I think she's also like less emotional about it. She's able to just make strategic decisions. My mom's a super, super smart woman, but mm-hmm. had even didn't even have her high school education. She had to she had to her life was challenging. And so she moved out on her own as a teenager. Yeah. And started her own life. And then like really like had to be running her own finances as like an 18 year old woman living in her own apartment. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, to- so she gave us a very different life. Yes. We, were, we were obviously very well nurtured, but yeah, it was very strange growing up in a house where um, the messages about money were very mixed. And so which one thing she did teach us was as, as girls, cause there's two girls and then my brother who's adopted, who's in the middle, it's a totally crazy family, but um uh-huh the message was always like you understand your own finances and you save your own money and you're not dependent on somebody else. So mm-hmm. those, do you, those do you manage the finances in your family? I don't actually, funnily enough, I'm, I, <laughs> I now make more of the money, but I don't manage, uh, I don't manage the investing cause my husband really enjoys it. And he was so used to having his systems, his own way. And, and when we became partners, uh, it was just one of those things that was easier to leave in his hands. But I'm very uh, on top of what's going on. So yeah. we have calls with our investment guy and I make sure to ask all the questions I need to ask and things like that. And we make decisions as a... I, I would say in this department, we're very strong. But for the first few years, I felt a little in the dark. And he would kind of sweep it under the rug, not meaning to, but he would just sort of say like, it's no big deal. I got it. I got it. And then I just broke down in tears one day and was like, this is very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, listen, I'm going to make a spreadsheet. You don't have to track it. I'm just going to make a spreadsheet so that we can kind of track these things over time and see how things are growing over time. And so that is something we sit down and do together over a glass of wine twice a year. It makes That's me nice. feel very empowered because I track it, but then I show him. And then he always is like, Oh, that's cool. You know, mm. like like dudes often are like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> are you yeah. the financial person in your family? Or so it's as- funny. I actually manage our like our bank accounts and stuff like that. And Matt and I sort of divide and conquer a bit. Like he actually has the mental load of like paying the daycare tuition. Like that's his thing. And I basically do everything else. Mm. And um, I manage our credit cards and stuff like that. And I manage our bank accounts and stuff like that. So like, and I have different, we have different philosophies still. We're still like a young married couple. Like we haven't been married forever. So we're still sort of like, I think getting on the same page about our spending. Um, and it's so funny that we're talking about this as like a juxtaposition of business coaching. Cause I think mm-hmm. this is really the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. The core is about money is it as what's her name said? Um, Jill Stanton, like money's a tool to like execute against your life, you know? And it depends what the values you put on money, right? It, it gets you stuff. It makes things nice, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, somebody said it's the lube of life. Like, mm. was it her? I think who said like, yes. it just makes things smooth, right? It just yeah. makes you go through life a little bit smoother, right? And having money is nice. Like everyone I've ever met who has of means, they're like, life is just a little bit easier. And for some people, like more money, more problems, like 100% mm-hmm. things get very complicated. Mm-hmm. But generally, like, I, I hope for this generation of women that like we are financially literate, 
we do live fulfilling lives and then we sort of can figure it out a little bit different than our parents. And I came from a family where my mom didn't, didn't work because she was sick for so long, like a very, very sick woman. Um, so like, yeah, I think to some degree, I don't want to live beyond my means, but to some degree, like I would ask you, Leanne, like the people that you speak to, how many people are actually living within their means? Like Toronto is a very expensive place to live. And I would say like almost everyone is like no one, I don't know anyone who like doesn't have a mortgage. So therefore I would say if, if you're a homeowner, you generally are living beyond your means vis-a-vis like having a mortgage. I don't know. I just like, I don't know anyone who's like debt free. I just don't. So I, I would say mortgage is like good debt. I mean, yeah. if you're going to say good debt and bad debt, I don't, right. I don't think, I don't see that as living beyond your means as long as you can pay the mortgage yeah. and you can pay for the life that you have and have enough to put away. So when it comes to people's personal finances, I don't get too involved. I right. feel like, as you can imagine, there's like a bit, as you can imagine, because, you know, you're a physician, there's a bit of a heavy load that comes with being a coach. And, and as someone said at my client party, when everyone was gathered, there was like 20 women that I coached together. And someone came up to me and was like, oh, the secrets you have on everyone in this room. <laughs> and I was like, I don't ever think of it like that, but, but it is a bit heavy. And so, you know... I don't want to get too deep into people's mm. personal lives or personal finances because that's not really not my role either. Mm-hmm. That's not my secret sauce. It's not mm. my, it's not my greatest strength. Um, but w- my wish for people truly is that I-, I wish that women could take the emotion out of money because as Jill said in that speech, she said, money has no meaning except for the meaning we give it. And, and this is Jill Stanton it. who yeah. is the founder of quit the nine to five, right? Screw the nine to Screw five. the nine to five. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I've never do. heard her speak. Actually, I don't really know what she preaches. So Is she and her partner it? Josh. Actually, it's funny. I was on the way here. I was listening to their podcast episode where they go and they do couples counseling. They're couplepreneurs, so they run the business together. Mm-hmm. And they were getting like a live couples counseling session in a podcast, and she was like <laughs> sweating and totally nervous. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, so their whole thing used to be like they had a huge community of people that they were coaching through this journey of quitting your job and starting your, you know, taking your side hustle and making it full time. And then they realized the community itself was not working for them. So they like they weren't they weren't loving their business anymore. So now that all they do is affiliates. They just promote other people's stuff that they and love. they just had a baby eighteen months ago. So like, yeah. She was hit by a Mack track card. Mm-hmm. It sounded yeah, like to me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, but she has a very clear vision. Like they knew they didn't want more kids. They mm-hmm. knew there were, they, they have a very clear vision of what they want for their life. And they've been, I think, I think they're a great example of a couple that's on the same page relatively. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know them all that well personally yet, but uh, I think they sound very on the same page with what they wanted a life. Yeah. And I say that, I think that's a problem for some of our mompreneur friends who's partner Andrew earmuffs maybe mm-hmm. doesn't get it or maybe doesn't yeah, that's love not, it that's not our issue at all and I think that's like, true of partnerships in general like I see I see lots of partners are on different pages about parenting and about more kids no kids the relationship who cares for the kid who doesn't yeah. where do they go what do they eat how do they sleep all of that stuff like a lot of partners have difficulty getting the same page about everything about life it's so true it is so true. We're, I mean, we are raised to be independent human beings. And then all of a sudden we have, I, I married my husband later in life. I was 35 when we got, 34 when we got married. That's mm-hmm. not late, but it's later than a lot. And I was a fully formed human being with my right. own thoughts and opinions. And it was really hard to meld. Right. So, I mean, I would say if you are an entrepreneur and your partner is not, or even if your partner is, that same page piece is so important. Yeah. The, the women that I see struggle the most are the women that deep down I know 
they don't have the support they need, whether that's from peers, whether that's a partner, they're just feeling like nobody gets them. And Leanne, I'm having a lot of women come out to me now, like coming out of the closet being like, they want to actually start entrepreneurial ventures, but the biggest challenge is their spouse is not on board Mm -hmm. and their spouse is like, you need to bring home my paycheck. Like you don't even have, I'm not even giving, we can't even give you a minute to not. And it's not because they're like in dire straits. Mm -hmm. There's just not an understanding that like, things will be okay. And it's scary. Let me live my mm-hmm. best life. Yeah. Give me the chance to believe in me a bit. And like, I have, I have a shitty job as an X, Y, and Z and I don't love my life. Yeah. Don't you want a wife that loves her life? You know? And that could be like me feeling hungry every day and feeling yeah. driven every day. And like, there's no price that can pay on that. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of people are moving out of the city or making other life mm-hmm. cho- choices in order to like, just change their mindset on how they're living their best life. Cause I do think the grind of like, working a hundred hours a week and then having a shitty life. Like what the fuck's the point? Right. So like, I'm, I'm totally down. Like if you want to go move to Hamilton or Aurora or wherever, where you can buy a house, a really nice fat house and like feel like you're living like a King and like daycare isn't going to bankrupt you, then that's Mm -hmm. great. I made some sacrifices to live in the city for sure. Like I went to like, I live in a postage stamp, you know? Um, and my daycare is extraordinarily expensive, but like, it's about your value proposition. And sometimes I say to Matt, like, let's go, let's like move, go somewhere where we like have a completely different existence. And what would that look like? And I know a lot of, we've had a lot of moms on this podcast who run Mm -hmm. Toronto based businesses who are living in Collingwood or like, where does Dara live? Yeah, I was just thinking, where's Dara live? I don't know. North. Drove past a cottage country and now she lives there. Peterborough or something. Yeah. Peterborough. Like people are making decisions and, and ultimately it's not affecting their businesses, but they're having great quality of life. So I don't know. I think that's exactly it is. The quality of life piece is so huge. And eventually these women, I think, paint themselves into a corner because they feel like they're working nine to five for somebody else. They're out of the house all these hours. They have no creative control over what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're not loving it anymore. It's a prison sentence. And then they got to come home and be a great mom and have sex with their husband. I'm sorry, but it's fucking exhausting even thinking about it. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to be thinking about what is that dream version of my life look like? And we talked about this when you were on my show you got to get the husbands on board. So mm-hmm. for many of us, that is for us believing it's possible and then sharing the plan, right? So I straight up said to my husband, listen, if I can't make a go of this in two years, meaning we are financially pinched and we feel that, like that was the biggest thing for us. I said, if we, do, if we can't feel a financial difference, that was my goal. In the first year, you won't even know that I don't have a job anymore because I was on commission. So we were, I, mean, I had a base salary, but then commission. So I was used to having months that, went up and down and mm-hmm. I could ride that roller coaster. So I just said like, give me just trust in me. Cause I need you to trust in me. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I won't be able to without that. Yeah. And I'm going to make this leap and worst case scenario, I fall flat on my face. I will go out and get another sales job. And that's the thing that I think most women forget is you are highly employable, smart, yes. talented women that will get hired. If God, you know, if nothing works out, yeah. if it all goes to shit you will just go and get another job and it will be fine. You know what I mean? Like for most of us, we make these stakes higher than they really are. And I think it's holding women back. So that's why I was 40 before I was ready to make the leap. I really, I really didn't believe in myself enough, but I also didn't have the clarity of mission. And when it all came together, I was like, okay, I just got to get him on board. Cause he was kind of moping around the house and I could tell he was like, not (laughs) 100% digging it. Yeah. Because it was so many years of me not making money. And then I was finally making okay money. I mean, in my in my last job, I was making maybe like 80, 85,000 a year in my mm-hmm. best years. And he was like, but we just got here. And I was like, dude, you got to trust me. And I think to anyone who's thinking about making the leap, 
your goal needs to be just get that partner on board and figure out a plan that's going to make it possible and 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 so that you can thrive like don't worry about just paying the bills like what does that dream vision look like mm-hmm. in 5 years time mm-hmm. as women we we just don't we don't dare to dream enough we're so yeah. in the day to day and so in the grind and so in the what has to get done today so I think it's scary to start a business for lots of reasons. You know, one would be like, you know, Lena did this like dual thing where she had a real job, like a, I shouldn't say real job, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like a, a salary five. job, yeah, yeah, a salary yeah. um, and you had the baby and, you know, took pseudo mat leave, but started a business, et cetera. So some people do this during, during their mat leaves or whatever time off they can. Starting a business when you have another job, it just adds so much more to the plate. But there's a huge, not just time commitment or not getting a salary commitment, but the investment in building your building the brand, building the product, building the service, it's expensive. So not only are you not getting the salary, but you're also spending money they may not have and you're not making money yet, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no one makes money, that, well, not a lot of people make money in their first year. So that is very daunting. Yeah, so my advice would be, first of all, I think that I would challenge the belief that not a lot of people make money in their first year. I think it's possible. I think you can... St- it depends on what you want to do. Like if you have a product-based business or a bricks and mortar, it is, you're going to have higher overhead for sure. So <laughs> I don't, actually one of my childhood friends, like someone I consider a sister, told me she wanted to start a product-based business. And I, and I was like, I can't give you advice on that because I don't think it's a good idea. For her, she was coming from this great corporate past that she could have easily pivoted into a consulting role. And I was like, do that. Because that's exactly what I know. And that's mm-hmm. what I think works well for women is I do think you have to think about what is something that we can, you know, if you are tight financially, then you can't just, you know, sky's the limit. Right. You got to think about you like, how innovate. am I going to make you money? product develop. Realistically, yeah. like we leveraged a skill that you have and mm-hmm. we created an online scalable one to many offer, which is a great way to go about it if you've got yeah. an audience. So I think you have to think about, um, and 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 like you said, like a side that transition from side hustle and doing something on your mat leave, I think that's becoming more and more common because yeah, women so. are like, I have time to think, mm-hmm. and, and the stress of I not have. getting the salaries there mm-hmm. is, yeah. is gone. I should say, mm-hmm. yeah, the stress is less. So I think what most women have to do is, I think there comes a point where they want to see that they will that they are making what they made in their day job. But they, their day job is going to stop them from doing that. It's just too many hours. So I always say, like, think about a graph and, like, across the top is, like, that's your salary. It's like a steady line. And slowly chugging up underneath that is this, like, diagonal kind of, like, vertically rising line. You're not going to meet the salary. You're going to have to make the leap before those two lines meet. And you're going to have to just trust that, like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm building this and yeah. I can see it's possible. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, I just, I had to truly have faith that it was possible. I had no proof. Yeah. I had a, enough people saying they wanted to work with me and I had a community, but the community was free. So I just, I had to just trust my gut. And yes, having a partner who had a stable job allowed us to do that. But again, my goal was like, I will be making money from month one and I will keep my expenses low so that we don't feel this. And that's how I got him on board. And I, and I stuck to that. And now expenses are, income's higher, but expenses are higher for mm-hmm. sure now too. So Liam, what's your secret sauce? We didn't get there. Oh gosh. Um, hmm. I don't know. I will capstone this soon. Go ahead. I would say um, I have the ability to see the potential in people that maybe they can't see. I'm I'm very good at reading people and I'm yeah. very good at um and if I can't help you I'll be honest but I I think I'm good at getting people moving. Yeah. I'm getting I'm good at bringing people together like you. We have right. that in common. I'm good at bringing people together over a common cause. Mm-hmm. 
and also like I can I can give them um, I can give them tools, right? Like I don't my coaching, as you know, it's not fluff. It's right. not a it's lot not. of like, how are you feeling today, Elena? No, it's not. <laughs> it's a lot it's of like, a, I think you yeah. should go try this. Yeah. Not all we of We call it. it like, it's the kishkas. It's like, it's the meat and potatoes. It's really the soul of it. There's so many Yiddish words on there. And people I have no so idea what the fuck Yiddish you're talking words, about. I know. I said yeah. to somebody recently, I was like, are you schwitzing? They're like, excuse me? I was like, oh, schwitzing means sweating in Yiddish. She's like, uh-huh. The only word I use in Yiddish is schlep. And I think a lot of people don't even know what yeah. that means. Schlep. I know schlep. Most people yeah. know schlep, right? But a lot of people look at me and they're like, what the fuck are you saying? I think I use a lot of Yiddish words. I just, actually, because a lot of Hollywood uses like Jewish slang that people know. Because they're also Jewish. Because they're Jewish writers. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's right. I think your secret sauce is that you're very good at drawing the skill out of somebody or them sort of telling you what their situation is. And then you'll be able to like position it for them to help basically for them to sell themselves and leverage themselves in really a scalable way, you know? Um, So here's my good story. Leanne and I, Leanne and I start coaching in July, really. Mm -hmm. And in August I resigned from my day job and I was supposed to go back to work in September. So I decided to like give my, day job guys like some notice because I love them because they're actually fantastic people and because I really wanted to like know where I was going driving to my resignation my dad calls me it's like don't do it really don't resign and I was like dad I'm literally pulling into the driveway of the office right now to resign he's like just figure out a way to do it half time or figure out I was like can you just believe that I can do this. I need you to get on board that if I'm not making as much money or more than they were paying me and I was making $99,000, that's what they paid me. I was like, if I'm not making that or more by the end of the year, I, I will get another job. I promise you I'm hyper employable. He's like, okay. Like that's all yeah. I needed to say to him yeah. is like, I, I don't want to give myself actually a timeline. Cause I feel like the timeline puts pressure on me to like deliver tomorrow, which I don't like. Um, but I felt like I had to like reassure them and they can't believe like the raging yeah. fans. And like, I remember when we were at mom fest, which is our like sort of signature event that we did this year. And when I launched this membership for the first time that Leanne sort of encouraged me to sort of start that I was on stage interviewing you, Dina and which was my favorite interview of the day, by the way, um, thinking about it. Cause I had to like do a forensic like intake of what my favorite was. Um, that Matt was texting me like 46, 62, 75. And I was like, people are buying this membership. I couldn't believe it. And that at the end of the day, really like MomFest was not the moneymaker for me. Like, like pivoting into like doubling down on this community of women who are card carrying members, creme de la creme, you know, people, that's where it came from. And it was this podcast. Like I released the podcast about talking about the halo exactly when we released the halo basically. So it was all sort of symbiotic how it came together. Um, and that that for me is sort of like going to be a story that goes down in my like books about how my father begged me not to resign. <laughs> and I believe so much in his business acrimon that I couldn't believe that I had to like tell my 75 year old dad like, no, like, fuck you. Like, I, th- I think my, my parents also thought I was crazy when I decided to strike a crew. And I was like, can you just kind of start it, but also kind of stay where you were? <laughs> no. How do I do that? I have to spend money. Like, why would I be paying someone else overhead when I'm opening a new business? It makes no sense. Um, but they didn't try to talk me out of it. They were like, okay. Banks gonna give you that much money? Yeah, banks will give you. Are you sure banks? Will, you sure you could pay back that much money? Yeah. So anyway, fast forward a couple of years. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we're doing fine. That's Still good. in debt, but we're doing okay. That's good. Yeah, You're amazing, Dina. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to pick your brain too about. Uh, I mean, I think I have followers. I have a community, etc. But I've never done anything to m- monopolize. She's thirty-five thousand patients. 
Holy. My, well, Kid Crew does. Kid yes. Crew. No, that's no. That's pretty yeah. impressive. No, that's how many people sick kids see in emergency every year. That's approximately. No, 70,000 visits. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, 35,000 patients, 70,000 70, visits. visits. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. A year. I, like, I average like amazing. once a month anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes once a week, depending on the kid. Yeah. Plus yeah. one, plus it's, one. Plus it's one. a real serious so, practice. As I like to sometimes give people a bit of a rude awakening, I say this phrase just to make an impact. Like, I think you're leaving money on the table. I think there's, I think there's more that you could be leveraging. Oh, not 100%. that I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to turn into this into a business coaching session. Well, right I thought now, that was actually going to be a good idea for, for next time. Is oh, that Leanne should it's do a, 9.30 and I'm in leg warmers. Like, come on. <laughs> this is not I was actually thinking best. that we should do like a live at our next Mom's TO event, yes. Mom Fest event, that Leanne should do a live coaching session with somebody. Cool. Yeah. And then or a maybe, panel. Like, you put three women and I'll coach them. I'll give them each 10 minutes of that's coaching. That's good. That's what I was back saying about Monfest that we should do is like, have you doing live coaching? I would love that. Yeah. I think, you know what? And that one of my coaches gave that idea as well, actually for this week, for launch week, she was mm -hmm. like, you bring your clients in and do live coaching on Facebook live. And the truth is it's, it is very personal. So you have to pick the right people who are willing to be open. So you right. would be a great example of someone who would be, yeah. you know, you are pretty much an open book. Right. <laughs> But like Dina said, when Dina and I went to the spa recently or like this year, she's like, wow, you don't put everything on Instagram. I'm like, no, I don't put everything on Instagram. My sister says that about me too. Yeah. And I'm really not even that bad. Yeah. She's like, the whole world has to see every moment of your day. And I was like, it's just, it's the way it's done now. Yeah. Like you can rage against it or you can just kind of embrace it. That's right. This is the thing that with the mamas and mamas and co who I hope are listening this is one of the things that hold them back. The inability to get out of their own way and just show up for their people. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I feel like I won't say the right thing. They're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on perfection. I actually have a podcast episode coming out on this. So this will be like December of 2019 um, on the business of thinking big. That's my podcast. Um, and it's all, it's called perfection, uh, uh, connection, not perfection. And when's our podcast coming out? This Thursday. This Thursday. Yeah. Good. Coming out. Lots of things happening. There we go. Um, but it, but I, if you think about it, yeah. when we are focusing on perfection, we're focusing on ourselves. But when we focus on, if, when I focus on you, Alana, and making a meaningful connection with you, mm -hmm. all that need for perfection just slips away and you create what is really important in business, which is meaningful personal connection. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Dina, when she says there's money left on the table, how does that make you feel? No, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But I also think there's only so many hours in the day. So totally. I haven't, I haven't like, um, being on Instagram all day will provide me joy. Yeah. So I, I, I can't be like, I can't do what Alana does. Like, cause I have no interest in it. If, quite, quite frankly. Amen, um, sister. But I think, uh, <laughs> but I think, um, I, I think I can make a lot of money doing lots of different things. Totally. The question is, what do I want to spend my time and energy doing? Mm-hmm. I have an active audience. I have lots of things I could teach and education, et cetera. But what would that be? And so for me, it's all about like, it's more than ideas, I guess. It's like, what do I, how do I want to spend my time, right? So like, could I teach classes? Totally. Like, can I have courses? Absolutely. Do I want to spend my time building those and, you know, communicating with my audience more on things? I don't know. I mean, I think that's, I think that's why I haven't done it. But mm -hmm. yet I'm kind of launching a few other things, including products, which are pain in the ass and very expensive to create, um, but could potentially make a lot of money but maybe not yeah. at all so I mean it's all gas uh, you know this whole business thing is a crapshoot <laughs> amen to that amen to that yeah yeah uh Leanne we always ask our guests this is the only question we ask really that's like formal but if there's one thing you want our listeners to hear what would be like the one sort of capstone of our conversation own your worth 
Say get it clear, again. Yeah. Own your worth. Get clear on what your special sauce is and fucking own it. I love Amen. that I get to swear. She, on by the way, bleeped out all my fucks on her podcast. <laughs> really? It's a lot of bleeps. And we actually had to like remove whole sections. It was oh, really? so bad. I know oh. my editor was like, holy, okay, I think I got them all. And I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> How come you can't swear on your podcast? Um, my my whole thinking, and this is just what my mentors do, is, is they, there's kids listening there might in be the kids car. listening in the car. Like a lot of my women will be listening to this while they're driving. So if it limits anyone in any yeah. way of getting my goodness, I don't want Ours that. says explicit language yeah so I, people know where headphones again you know yeah. your secret sauce yeah so that would be my Our that would be my mission swearing. <laughs> <laughs> but i think in a way it is because anyway this is a whole other rabbit hole but you yes. you allow people to be themselves yes. and to feel comfortable around you which is awesome Good. um but this is that would be my mission is is to go out find what you love do what do what you're good at lean in to your unique god-given gifts lean yeah. so hard into them and then own them and uh, and don't be afraid to ask to be paid for what you're worth if you're a business owner. A to the motherfucking Amen. man. Even if you're not a business that's, owner. That's yeah. how we live. Yeah. yeah. Dina, did you learn anything new today from Leanne? Yeah, I mean, I kind of learned about like the process. Actually, I didn't. I mean, I knew nothing about business coaching, as you know. I mean, you've told me like little tidbits, but yeah. I think it's a really interesting concept. I feel like it could be super valuable for lots of people. The problem again, again, when you're starting a business, is it costs money. So mm-hmm. that's just it's another thing. But if it makes you back money in spades, mm-hmm. as Alana says, she's been more financially successful because of it, then that's mm-hmm. definitely a worthwhile business expense. Mm-hmm. My 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 biggest thing is I never want people to go into debt to hire me ever. So that's mm-hmm. not even an option. Um, but I get women making money fast, as you can attest yeah. to. So hopefully it's like, oh, this was this was an investment. Yeah. It, it pays itself back. And then a lot of my best people will stay with me for multiple rounds. So yeah. yeah. I get I I usually get them after the first year, so they're not so in the weeds with the like startup expenses. They've yeah. already kind of done that. But um yeah, I get it. And it has to yeah. be it has to be meaningful to you. You have to know what you want to get out of coaching too. And yeah. that's the thing. Like I think there's two things that has happened to me since I started coaching with Leanne just four months ago, is every time I talk about coaching, people are like, What did she say? Tell me everything. So everyone like is is keenly interested in wanting to know everything that a coach could offer them. They just don't necessarily fully understand it. So maybe it's about educating the masses a little bit better about what coaching actually is. Because Mm -hmm. as Dina just said, like she's like, I didn't really know what this was. Um, And then also just as a side note, which is a little bit of a tangent, but this week I met Cardinal Fischel. I saw that. And uh, (laughs) I just watched him. I was like, Hey, I saw you at a cannabis event this week. He goes, that was a really weird event because it was a really weird event. And I was like, well, he's like, yeah, the audience is like all over the map. I was like the two seniors in the front row. Those were my parents. He's like, cool. That's awesome. He's like, are you in the cannabis space? I'm like, no, I'm in the mommy space actually. And then I said to him, I run a podcast called moms that say fuck. And my husband's launching a podcast. And I said to him, the working title is the dad collective. He goes, I don't want to be on that podcast. I want to be on your podcast. So just like, the it's so funny what Leanne said like that's part of it is like some of it is the fact that like it is moms that say fuck right sure, it's so funny which is probably very um dichotomous right I mean like some people probably love it because it's called that some people are like what no oh I mean, my never God. never would I go there you know? but Cardinal Fischel he's like if you pulled up next to me you would like think I'd be listening to rap he goes I listened to it. he actually read the list of podcasts that he listened to and I was like are you ever on a podcast he's like people don't often ask me to be on them I was like you're gonna get asked from me to be on my Did podcast you get his oh I have his business God. card yeah absolutely he's a dad hilarious. he's like a really oh, actively involved father oh that's yeah. amazing oh, yeah. Totally yeah. We we could be Andrew just give a yeah. big nod he's never yeah. been more excited for a potential so guest fun. Yeah. So we've decided this is season three of our podcast and we've decided for like every guest we're like either really, um, really excited about them or like we want to go big or like, 
or they're really <laughs> or big. They suck and we or like we really are like striving big now. Like we're looking for really big names. We're looking for really talented people. We're looking for messages that we haven't shared yet. You know. And uh, this we was need a very- tips on how to make this bigger, actually, by the way, because people like it, mm-hmm. but we don't do anything to so advertise the biggest it tip I can give you is run Facebook ads to it. Get get yeah. get your best episodes. There's a couple different styles of ads that you could try. You could try a carousel ad mm-hmm. or just a you know graphic image or you could, you know, shoot a video at the same you, time. Your, like, yours aren't sponsored, right? They aren't. No, 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 not yet. Uh, Cause we've been focusing on mamas and co mm-hmm. right now. And I've been really careful with the Facebook ads budget cause it can get out of control, yeah. but that's the next step. So once mamas and co this launch is done, we're going to shift and you'll start to see ads for the podcast. So yeah. every pro that I've spoken to have said the people that tend up tend to work with them or tend to hire them or tend to join their thing or whatever found them through their podcast. So if you can just get more listeners to the podcast, mm-hmm. then you can get more people, you know, buying into whatever it is you're trying to create. So yeah. Facebook ads is it Facebook or Instagram, same thing. Yeah. Easiest way I think to increase listenership in my opinion. And then go on a podcast like Alana's and mention your podcast. <laughs> Not podcast. Alana, Alana and Dina. Sorry, that was so rude. Alana I'm just looking Dina's, at your face right uh, now. Alana, <laughs> Alana and Dina's podcast um, is called Moms That Say Fuck. And, right. and 40% of the women listening are like, I like that Leanne girl. And so to your point, if you're thinking about hiring a coach, the best thing that you can do is consume their content first for free and see if they're for you. So the business of thinking big, listen to a few random episodes. And if you think I might be the coach for you, then reach out and we'll chat because that's the first place to start. Anyway, yeah. you got to have a conversation with at least two or three coaches. And then I think even after that, you'll kind of know. Oh, yeah, your website is, is leannekim.com. Leannekim.com. Right. Yeah. You're very findable. Very findable. Very Thanks, findable. Leanne. Thanks for coming. Yay. Thanks for having me. Mom's this was so fun. Bye. Yay. You said fuck a lot. I'm so impressed. I know. I love to let the (laughs) F-bombs fly. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoy the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.